0: We are now live. Hi.
1: (laughs) Hi, Dolly. Hi, Preston. Hello. Sorry about that, everyone. I hope you can still find us. Um, Hold on.
0: I'm gonna reintroduce the link on Facebook, don't worry.
1: Um, All right. Yeah, we had some major technical difficulties. So I know some of you are probably wondering what the heck is going on, but we figured it out. And let me see, I don't know if we have anyone actually. Yes,
0: we get, it's filling up fast. They know we're here.
1: All right. Sorry, guys. We had some weird technical difficulties there. So I am so sorry. I will just give you all a second to get back in, but we are going to get started with our show tonight. And let me just redo uh, the bio. Uh, we definitely want to know who our guest is and you can see him here his name is robert peterson he goes by bob we're super happy to welcome him tonight to episode 34 of the light gate and bob has been having out of body experiences for quite some time he has been studying and inducing out of body and psychic experiences since he graduated from high school in 1979 He graduated in 1984 from the University of Minnesota Institute of Technology with a BS degree in computer science. And it was while attending the university that he became more proficient at out-of-body exploration while keeping, I'm so glad for this, detailed journeys of his experiences. And it was at this time that he did volunteer work for a student-based organization called the Minnesota Society for Parapsychological Research which gave him experience as a ghostbuster. So we will probably be talking about that as well. I certainly hope so. But since college, he's had a very successful career in systems level computer programming, lived in Phoenix in 85 and 86, where he started editing and occasionally contributing articles for a local spiritually themed newsletter called The Spontaneous Self. And in an 87 moved to Rochester, Minnesota, where he worked as a contract programmer at the IBM plant until 1996. It was at this time that he compiled his experiences and journals into his first and really excellent book, called *Out-of-Body Experiences: How to Have Them and What to Expect*, published by Hampton Roads Publishing. And this has been available online for free since 1996. That's amazing. And he's followed that up with several other books. His second book, Lessons Out of the Body, was published in 2001 and since then has not looked back. His third book is a novel titled The Gospel According to Mike. He also has other books such as Hacking the Out-of-Body Experience and Answers Within. And, of course, has written many articles about various aspects of OBEs which you can and should read on his website, which you can find in the show notes. Currently, he lives in Brainerd, Minnesota with his wife and soulmate, Kathy. And his hobbies include riding, traveling, biking, woodworking, stained glass, fishing, kayaking, and other strategy games. So thanks so much, Bob, for holding on with us through these technical difficulties. But it looks like we are now back online and our chat room is filled up so thank you all for being patient with us these things happen but we have overcome them and yeah Bob thank you so much for coming on to the show I truly appreciate it let me unmute oh there you go
2: thanks Preston for having <laughs> me on the show I I really appreciate it and thank you Dolly too you know um I'm a big fan of yours too, Preston, because your book *Out of Body Exploring* is excellent. It's one of the few uh, that I've given five-star rating to. I've, I've been doing um, book reviews on my blog for—I've uh, been doing my blog for 11 years now, and I've done um, 135 astral projection books. And most people don't know there even are that many, but there's actually more than 250, I think, about now. And uh, yeah, so I still have a lot uh, in in reserve that I haven't reviewed yet, but um, yours is uh, one of the very few that got a five-star rating. So thumbs up. (laughs) That's awesome. Out of Body Exploring by Preston Dennett. (laughs) Thanks so much,
1: Bob. That's coming from you, extremely high praise. I'm humbled and (laughs) delighted. That is awesome. Thanks Mm -hmm. so much. Well, I feel the same way about your books because as I said, they really helped me a lot. And I do have them, I was just looking over them again, two of them, I'm gonna get the others. I haven't had a chance to get the ha- hacking out of body experiences, but that looks super interesting because there are so many techniques on how to do this.
2: Yeah, the the thing about what I usually tell is people who are interested in my books, the, the first one that you pointed out of body experiences, how to have them and what to expect is probably the best place to start because it gives more information about how I got into this, where I'm from, what my experiences were like, and um, uh, just things like that. And it also has quite a bit of um, techniques in there as well. Um, the latest book, uh, Hacking the Out-of-Body Experience, which I've got a copy if you wanna, I don't know if you can see that. Um, that book is all techniques. So I'm not giving any of my own personal experiences. I'm Compiling those for yet another book, hopefully, and at some point in the future. But uh, yeah, that's that's strictly all technique book, uh, in the in that hacking book, and uh, it's it's gotten a lot of uh, popularity. So I'm I'm pleased that, that it's helping so many people.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Well, I love your first book because it just dives deep into your own experiences, while at the same time. It's got all the techniques and how to do it interspersed throughout it. And it also yeah. covers, you know, the, the associated topics because, you know, doing this um, brings out your psychic abilities in full force. And you focused on that a little bit too,
2: which I thought was so important. Yeah. Um, that's That was part of my, my – the reason I wrote that first book is because when I started having out-of-body experiences myself – it kind of, I started noticing things, you know, I had read just about everything I could find on the topic. And a lot of them didn't say anything about, you know, any, there are so many things that I learned on my own through experience. <laughs> I was down in, back in 1979 and the early 1980s, of course, when there weren't that many books on the subject. But there's just, there was so many things that I I found out that aren't talked about. Like, Um, the different kinds of eyesight, you know, people say, well, you take eyesight for granted in the physical world, but in the, in the non-physical world, your eyesight can have switched between different modes. And it's really kind of confusing, but nobody, none of these other books talked about it. And so it's like, I I had to um, give my own perspective and and write down in this book, what, what I found just through my own personal experimentation. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, like eyesight uh, for example, I'll have, uh, there'll be times when when I, I concentrate on looking at something like through eyes, my astral or non-physical eyes, and it'll appear more like it does in the physical world. But at other times, I'll be able to perceive everything in all directions, right? It's kind of a 360 degree, you're seeing everything in the room up, down. In front of you and back of you, and it's more like I, I called it in the book, I called it astral mind sensing because it's kind of like feeling everything at the same time. Um, and it's kind of strange. And then there were times when I would uh come out of my body and uh, find myself completely blind, and a lot of people <laughs> have this problem, and it's usually because you're too close to your physical body. And my advice is get away from the physical body at least 15 feet or five meters if you're alone. Uh, you're oh, wow. your, um and then you should be able to open your eyes and see better. Um, but like if you're close to your physical body, you can have complete blindness. Or uh, another one that I've sometimes um, had is I'll I'll make an I'll be out there floating around. You know, let's say I'm I'm 10 feet from my physical body or whatever, and I'll make an effort to open my eyes and my body's eyes will open. And so I'll, I'll be there in the room apart from my physical body, but my body's eyes open and I see the ceiling and it's like, this is very confusing. <laughs> it's like, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: this isn't, this isn't going to work. And so I close my eyes again and get away from it. Anyway, that's my advice. Get away from that physical body. Um,
1: Yeah, I remember the very first time I had that, you know, what I I called it 360-degree sight. And it was very confusing and disorienting, but so cool. And then I was was able to, what, telescope? I guess zoom in on stuff? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, blindness, because when I first started popping out, everything was cloudy. I couldn't see. I could only see out of one eye for the
2: longest time. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) It took me a while to get
1: past that.
2: Well, and there's a a fascinating book that I uh, read. It's in my book reviews. Um, It's called Mindsight. And uh, I think Kenneth Ring was one of the authors. And the question they asked as scientists is, can when when the, when a blind person like a congenitally blind person has an out of body experience can they see you know yes. do they experience sight yes. and the whole book is pretty much dedicated to this and what they did the authors went to a school for the blind where they knew they could find a bunch of blind people and they interviewed them with permission and they talked to a bunch of uh, people who had um out of body experiences numerous ones and they asked them to describe what it was like. And some of them were congenitally blind. Some of them had been blind since they were like three years old or you know, five years old, whatever. And it turns out there's a certain point in time where, um, like, like do you see in your dreams when you're, when you're blind? And it turns out there's a point in time that once you reach a certain age, if you become blind at that point you, and you've been sighted until then, then your dreams will be sighted. And your OBEs will be cited as well. When you're um, congenitally blind, uh, it turns out that they most blind people describe what I think of as this astral mind sensing. So it's like uh, these blind people are describing the the fact that, like, when I go out of body, it's like I can touch everything in the room and I know where it's at. And it's you know they describe things that they obviously don't have the same sighted frame of mind that we do. Um, that the sighted people do, but it's uh, they describe it in such a way that the authors came to the conclusion that, yeah, there is kind of an equivalent to sight when you're out of body,
0: man, even man. in
2: blind people. Fascinating.
0: That, that works for me when uh, psychic ability is the same way. When you're fully wide open psychic, you don't need your eyes. You yes. can uh, use your um, abilities to see past you and uh, remote viewing is the first step out, by the way. To yeah. OBE because your mind sensing or your psychic sensing at that point, you're yep. sending uh, your from from where you're indwelling now until you can get out of your body. You send your mind, your thoughts out, and it's a type of eyesight as well. And yeah. um, it it um I have a I when I was growing up I was in uh, I did special ed for a while because I had an ear accident and I went deaf for about a year, and I was in special ed learning sign language and. A uh, couple kids in there with uh, one of my classes was totally blind and I was already OB by then. And uh, I asked them, did they want to try? And they said, yes. And it took about six months. Total in terror, this kid. Total terror. And once he got out, he said, what am I seeing? And I said, um, well, you have to answer that. You have to tell me what you see. And he said, well, I know that now the difference between light and dark, that's the first thing you got. And I said, when a baby opens their physical eyes, that's what they see first, light and dark. It's all blurry. And yep. I said, so now you got a journey to go on. You have to learn to use your sight, just like right. a baby would. And yep. that helped a lot. You know, I wonder for if that applies to
2: deafness you know. as well. I mean, you'd
0: think yes. it
1: would.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> also been um, scientists. You know, doctors have been able to restore sight in some people that have a genetic defect that causes them to not be able to see, and doctors can go in in some cases and correct that so that the person can see. And uh, it turns out that what you're saying, Dolly, is exactly true. That they they don't they can't interpret. Their brains cannot interpret. Right what input, this input that's coming from their eyes and their optic nerves. And so they have to go through an extensive learning process of being able to s- distinguish shapes and to know well, this is this and that's that and this is color. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Well,
1: yeah. Sometimes I've had out of body experiences and it's in the middle of the night, all the lights are off, it's completely dark. You can't see, but then you start to get, you, you, like, you, you see, I guess, with what you call mind sight. Yeah. It's a different... Yeah, well, I'm so glad you went into that, I want to get into that more. But let's start with how you all how this rolled out for you, and how you began having out of body experiences. Before we start getting into the deeper <laughs> subject.
2: Um, well, and and uh, I'll apologize to anyone who's heard me, you know, give this little spiel before um, because I've been on other shows. But um, basically, in uh, my dad was kind of a, a a spiritual man in his own way, and he he read books like Edgar Casey and things like that and so my brother Joe um, was fascinated with di- different um, topics in you know the peripheral. I was always kind of more scientific and and uh, you know science minded um, but then in uh, 1979 um, my brother Joe gave my dad the book Journeys Out of the Body" by Robert Monroe. And I kind of remembered um, them talking at one point about astral projection and asking, Oh, what, what is that? You know, when I was young and they said, Oh, that's where you get out of your body and fly around and stuff like that. And you can be like a ghost and walk through walls, all this. And I went of course immediately to the library. There was no internet back then. I went to the library and looked it up in the card catalogs, didn't find any books on the subject. And, um so anyway, I kind of forgot about it. Well, in 1979, uh, after my dad was done reading Journeys Out of the Body, um, I asked if I could read it because I was, you know, it was fascinating to me. And so I did. I read it, and it's like, wow, this is really um, different. If this, if what Monroe is saying is true, you know, he gave all these wild stories about flying through the walls and you know, being able to, you know, see people in their private moments in their houses or whatever, and being able to go down the street, whatever. I mean, he had all of these stories. And I thought, you know, very unscientific. I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't believe a word he said, but (laughs) uh, scientists really have to be open-minded, right? Instead of just discounting and say, ah, forget this. Um, I decided to keep an open mind and, um, Monroe takes a really good approach. He doesn't say, you know, this is what happened, you gotta believe me or whatever, because they're pretty crazy stories. He says, try it for yourself. Don't take my word for it, try it for yourself. And then Monroe gives a couple of techniques in his book. And so I decided uh, after I was done reading the book to give that a try. And um, I tried one of his techniques, um, which I affectionately call the lines of force technique. And um, I'll be the first to admit I don't i I'm not sure I quite understood what Monroe was trying to get me to do, um, but I did what I interpreted his words to be, which is to you know close your eyes and relax your body completely and drift down into a, a clo- getting close to the sleep state, and then to focus your mind and imagine two lines of force um, at your temples and going out like three feet in front of you, and they cross and imagine a uh, a, a kind of a pressure or uh, energy out there where the lines cross. And then you go through this process of extending those lines force till they're way out in front of you, you know, nine feet and all of this. Um, And then at some point you extend them so that instead of next to your temples, they like shift out like this to be at a 90 degree angle. And then you shift them over your head. Okay, so that's what I was doing. And much to my surprise, um, I felt a twang, a very heavy twang in my head, and it's like, oops, this, maybe this isn't such a good idea. You know, I was kind of freaked out, and I thought, what have I gotten myself? I got, you know, I'm in the deep end of the pool now, so I thought I got to get out of here. So I, I tried to like retract my my lines of force that were imaginary, but it, it was like they became real, and they they. As I retracted them, it was like an energy came in and swept over me. Um, And I could see through uh, my closed eyelids, I could see this blue ring of fire that was about a a foot round. It was about like this in diameter. And it like went over my head like this and swept into my body or over my body. And I felt uh, the vibrations, um, what they call the vibrations, they swept into my body And it was a very scary experience. I literally thought I was being electrocuted. And uh, um, I just started fighting wildly to regain control of my body. But I found myself in um, sleep paralysis, my body would not move. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. Eventually, it it wore off. And I came to and I'm like, Oh, wow, thank thank God. in my body. And I, you know, it's like, but at that point, I knew that I couldn't turn back because I I knew at that point that Monroe wasn't lying. He wasn't, you know, just making up a bunch of, you know, crap to um, sell books. He actually, there was some substance to it. And I also knew the only way that I could get to the bottom of what, you know, what this really is, is to explore the state myself. And so I be, went on this long journey of collecting all the books I could find on the subject of astral projection, out-of-body experience. And there weren't that many at the time, um, but I, I devoured them. I read them all. I, I started a book collection, which I told you I've got, you know, like 250 books or something like that in my collection now. And uh, that's not including like lucid dream books or uh, other peripheral topics um, that's just, uh, and, and remote viewing and all of those shamanic journeys. That's just out of body and out astral projection books. And I've got, uh, there's some real obscure ones out there. But anyway, I so then <laughs> I, I started, like, I knew I had to, to try it again. And so I started trying every single night for like two months solid, trying to induce another um, set of vibrations or whatever to try and leave my body. And uh, Monroe's technique that I had used the first time didn't work for me again for whatever reason. Maybe I was just too <laughs> scared or whatever to, to really go down deep enough, I think. Um, but eventually I, I, uh, I, I came home late one night from the university. Uh, I was doing programming at the university and I'm still a, a big into programming. And uh, I decided to skip my normal technique and then that middle of the night which turned out to be the next morning uh, november 2nd 1979 i had my first two out of body experiences and they were just mind-blowing it was like uh, you know incredible and uh more real than i would ever imagine they would be i mean there i've I've had um and, and again you're not always that um your consciousness is not always that clear and clean and crisp, but there are times when I've had out-of-body experiences where my um, consciousness was brighter and clearer than in normal physical life, and it, it's not uncommon for me to like, you know, I, I would I remember many times I I will sit up in bed, and I'll think, oh, I gotta you know get up or whatever. I wonder what time it is, and I'll stand up and walk toward the the door or whatever, and uh, also, uh you know, <laughs> back to my physical body. It's like, wow, I was so real, I didn't realize I was out of my body, you know. And, and it's like, you don't, don't even realize it's happening until you're back sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's from there, it's just been a uh, inducing all the OBEs I can. It's it's kind of been my passion and learning what other people have done, and uh, I've I, eventually. Uh, many years ago, I decided to start studying the the human brain and trying to figure out well what factors actually contribute to the out of body experience. Right, I kept detailed journals and like I was keeping track of like horoscope things and biorhythms and um, you know all of this stuff, trying to figure out what uh, what influenced my out of body. Um, and I compiled a lot of that stuff in my latest book, Hacking the Out-of-Body Experience. But I went on a, a journey of, of trying to learn as much as I could about the human brain and how it is, uh, what what happens during an OBE and how scientists induce OBEs in people and things like that. So anyway, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Um, I don't have a lot of the uh, incredible stories that some of the more uh some of the other authors have. I mean I've I've had some incredible experiences of course. Um but uh you know like I was just watching uh, b- before the show I was watching your show you did with Marilyn Hughes and I've read some of her books and stuff and she's she's fascinating but she's got these these experiences that are like wow she's she's gone a lot further than I have or <laughs> For example, uh, Jurgen Zieve is, is probably my favorite author on, on the su- subject. And uh, so anyway, yeah, the, it's, it's a fascinating topic. And I, I've been studying it pretty much my whole adult life. I wasn't uh, given any um, gift. I, I, I was not born with the natural ability. Uh, like some people, I think Marilyn had um, OBEs when she was a young girl. And uh, I never had them until I started trying for them. And for me, it's always been a difficult <laughs> process. I've always had to you know, really focus on it and do a lot of affirmations and a lot of this and a lot of that, a lot of meditating and mm-hmm. that until I'm finally successful. Um, is, so your
0: psychic ability, is your psychic ability there? In other words, before <laughs> you started doing all of this, did you know you had innate abilities and were you psychic? No,
2: really, no. I did not think of my. I. I don't think of myself as psychic at all. I didn't think I was psychic as a child. I had Mm -hmm. uh, in my first book, I um, give a couple of psychic experiences that you know. I I think everyone got some psychic abilities, so that's not too unusual. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, when I started having out of bodies. I started having psychic experiences, and this confused me because, again, none of the books (laughs) I read ever talked about the connection between out of body and psychic experience. It's like, okay, nobody ever said that this has happened, but you know, I would start um, taking the words out of people's mouths, and I'd know what was going to play on the radio next, and things like that. And it's like, and, and I don't really attribute that to my OBEs as much as I do the meditation or the style of meditation I do to induce an OBE. I think that the meditation itself can lead you to those places and make you more receptive. Um, in the first book, I talked about how you know I started paying more and more attention to what I call my inner voice. And it's just kind of a a background you know niggling of uh you know gee I this should you know I should do this or whatever and i developed that and um i i was i, I cultivated that if you will and that's that kind of um resulted in in my book the uh, uh my book answers within i got a copy here if anyone cares uh answers within and it, it talks about um you know how how I developed my inner voice and how anyone can also do that. But it's I believe one thing that people don't realize, and I want to stress, is that um, we as human beings are much more complex and deep than we would ever care to imagine. Um, they you know a lot of a lot of New Age books or whatever talk about the higher self, or the uh, psychology books talk about you know the the Ego and the id and and all of this stuff, and uh, or they they talk about um, you know the subconscious and all of this, but there are really many layers and it goes very deep. And the the person that you think you are, the the ego that is driving the body that's acting consciously with this world, is only a tiny fraction of what's out there. It's very very deep, and um, so people have no idea. I mean, you can't unless you. You know, experience that firsthand, you can't even begin to comprehend how, how deep it goes. Um, but I think a lot of this, I think what happens is your conscious is in communication with your subconscious, and you can learn to cultivate that. Your subconscious you is
0: you're a conscious being right, and that when you leave your body, it's your who you are. Your consciousness yes. is leaving this physical body. There yes. is no subconscious, your brain your physical mind your physical body is something you're indwelling your consciousness is living in this body and what i've been taught is that during the process of two eight you know egg and sperm coming together and that genesis of energy begins your consciousness is already there and it actually affects the dna you have because it has to be able to communicate with you physically your physical mind and your consciousness throughout the entire process of being born being evolved to be born is already hearing and being taught by your consciousness. It's hearing itself. We have a gland in our brain that is the facilitator. It's the communicator between the two: your consciousness and your physical mind. And uh, while psychologists have tried for years and years and years to explain ID ego and all of that, they totally missed the point because they weren't willing to admit that we're spirit, we're consciousness. And so they came up with a bunch of jumbo jumbo, literally in my mind to explain, which is so easy. Your brain, your physical mind is a computer and you're indwelling this body. You're the programmer and you're using this to be in this dimension and to learn the lessons here that you learn. We should have already known as we woke up and we were children that we have these abilities. All your memories should have been there. Whatever's going on in this planet has robbed you of it. And so people are literally walking around with no clue that A, they're psychic, B, their consciousness is running. You know, they, they try to say, you know, that you, when you do something wrong, your mom will tell you, you know, you get that feeling in your gut, in your chest. That's your consciousness because it lives in your heart. It's attached to a an electrical appliance, your heart. That's where it starts. The first crack in who you are is electrical yeah, and I always thought
1: this is a natural that. human talent. Yeah, it
0: is. Absolutely natural human talent. And it's easy to explain that and understand it, but we have generations of people who are walking this earth and you said it yourself, you didn't think you were. You absolutely are. And you yeah. were striving at that point to teach yourself what you could have taught yourself when you were growing up like walking, talking, seeing, smelling hearing you you would have been able to physically attach to this world fully conscious and instead it was driven out of you and you were made to not think about it and use it well i've and got
1: a million questions it. actually that i really okay. want to ask you um, right. like when you started doing this one were you absolutely convinced this was real oh yeah
2: absolutely so yeah i mean there's a thing uh, is believing you know I mean, when you're when you're out there and you're you're looking at your own physical body from apart, you know, and your physical body is just another inanimate object in the room, and it's like, oh boy, you know, <laughs> kind of crumpled there, lying in bed or whatever, and mm-hmm. yeah, like like you mentioned, uh, you start to question, well, did I just die or what exactly is going on there? But um, yeah, it's very realistic, and uh, people people wonder about okay. You know, is it the same thing as remote viewing? Well, in remote viewing, your consciousness, your awareness still stays within the physical body, even though you're perceiving things that are far away. Um, But in an out-of-body, your physical body is just another appliance that's sitting out there, and uh, it's pretty convincing.
1: Yeah. So Robert Monroe talks about always having a spirit guide with him. I forget he had a name for it. His, his let him around everywhere I didn't I felt like I was out there on my own most of the time not always I did have you know a few occasions but I wonder how how about you did you
2: have someone there guiding you around um well it's kind of strange um yes and no I mean most of the time when I've had out of body experiences most of the time I don't see or perceive anyone out there but I know there are spirits out there um I, I, they're what I call invisible guides, and for whatever reason, they're invisible to me. And I've—I'm not the only out-of-body author who's described that, them as well. Um, there are other, you know, several other books that I've read that describe the same thing. It's like these uh, uh, guides that are completely invisible, but they can dialogue with you. You can hear them just fine. And uh, for example, if you are having trouble, like, you know, I can't get up these stairs or something like I can't get out this window, you can actually ask them for help and say, you know, is, can somebody here please lend me a hand and help me get out the window? And they'll, they'll c- say, sure, yeah, I can help you with that. It's like they ha- it's kind of like the Star Trek thing, the, you know, they, they don't want to interfere <laughs> because that's interfering with your yeah. uh, own spiritual progress really or something fine. like that. But if you ask them for help, they're glad to help it's just, and they, they, I think they watch you and they, they guide you or whatever, but they don't really interfere unless they're, unless you ask them to, to do that.
0: Well, I I have Um, a question then. This is leading me to a big one for you. (laughs) Uh, Do you stay, uh, have you quantified what dimension you're in when you're OBE? Do you stay in the third dimension? In other words, do you stay in this construct that we're in or have you tried to go outside of it?
2: Well, like I've said many times to to various people, um, when you're out of your body, there aren't any signs hanging overhead saying, you know, this is, you know, this is the fifth level of the <laughs> second astral plane or whatever. And, I mean, there aren't signs on the door. So you don't really know where you're at. Um, I've had many experiences that, um, I'll find myself in a strange city, for example, and I don't know where this is. i'm I'm in a city and I see people below and I fly down and whatever, talk to them. and uh, so you don't really know if that's an astral city or if it's some physical place on earth. Um, I believe, you know, based on various descriptions, various books, that the vast majority of my out-of-body experiences have been, um what they what they call um the etheric plane or whatever, which is kind of a a lower level i I haven't had any of these mind-blowing you mm-hmm. know higher level you know I, I haven't done too much of that and part of that is my own fault because i I've studied out of body my whole life and so what I would do is a lot of times I would waste experiences just by you know I would leave my body and then I'd get back in it and you know, to study the process and what brings the vibrations back. And I would do these experiments, but a lot of times it wouldn't take me a long way from my body. So a lot of times I would, you know, I would walk out into the, into the world and it would seem like the physical world that I'm accustomed to. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I haven't you know, traveled to any of these high planes. I mean, um, Marilyn Hughes uh, talked about an experience in which she perceived like heaven and a great throne and uh, Akashic records and things like that. I've never done any of that kind of stuff. Um, So by comparison, I think a lot of my out-of-bodies are pretty mundane. But what I do have going for me is, you know, like I said, I wasn't born with any gifts, so I've spent a lot of time studying it. And um, I... So every every OBE I've had I've had to earn basically, and so I um, I I I know the process pretty well, and I've tried to explain that in the various books I've written. But uh, yeah, so, so so I do, I remember, do have a lot of fascinating experiences out there, and you can read them in in my first two books. But uh, like I I have been in, in my second book, Lessons Out of the Body. Um, the book was not very popular. And it's kind of hard to find now, it's way out of print, but I've described some experiences, for example, where I tried to contact God, I have a, uh, a chapter called Chasing God, and I did several experiments where I would try and, and surrender myself to God or whatever, and it had different results. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did have, uh, I, I never had a uh, transcendent experience where it was a total, you know, oneness with everything experience. Um, I know some people end up with that experience um but I've never had that happen i would I would love to have that happen at some point but I have had experiences where i, I there are, uh, there are at least uh six or seven books in which um, the authors have claimed to have stood in the presence of Jesus Christ, and um, Marilyn Hughes is just one of them but I've had an experience like that as well um and it was a very brief experience uh, just being there who with whom you perceive to be jesus is just overwhelming it's like you know i had to uh i just you know i, I couldn't i couldn't i couldn't take it so anyway <laughs> it was a very short experience it was a short but mind-blowing but there are other people who've had much better ones but anyway same, you
1: feel like happened
2: to me <laughs>
1: that's funny <laughs> I had a very short Jesus experience. Yeah. I, you know, I tried to see him and it never worked. And then one day it did.
2: Yeah, and it was yeah. very short and very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and and you know, that's what kind of gets me about some of these um, religious fanatics who say, "Oh, you know, the out of body is, you know, that's a sin or whatever. It's against Christianity." It's like, no, that's not. You know, in the Bible. Um, in 2 Corinthians, St. Paul talks about um, some a, a man who he knew that 14 years ago um, had an experience that was, you know, he was taken to heaven. And he says, St. Paul says, I don't know if he was in the body or out of the body. I don't know. God knows. But the fact that St. Paul talks about out-of-body experience in such a uh, mundane, you know, light, he's not saying OBEs are against they're not a trick of Satan. They're not anything like that. It's like this is actually a real um, opportunity for Christians to find their own answers, right? They can actually meet Jesus Christ, maybe embrace him, shake his hand, whatever, the real person, rather than getting knowledge secondhand. And that's one of the things, if you get anything out of my my uh, talks and my babbling on, it's that um, experience trumps beliefs. Um, it trumps faith you know experience. there's nothing like firsthand experience and of course the organized religions don't want you to get your own answers because right. that's where they get their money that's where they get yeah, their power. control they, yes It's a control exactly. game right They want to control all of their worshipers and yeah. this is how you get to God. you've got to go through us right No you can find your own answers and it's like I'm never going to tell anyone what to believe. I'm never going to tell anyone it's like the, the experience is out there and it's real and it's fantastic and you can get your own answers and it's well worth doing. So, How long did it take you to,
1: you know, once you started doing Robert Munro's, that's exactly how I started. You know, you described the vibrations. I thought I was being electrocuted too. I seriously yeah. thought I'd stuck my finger in the light socket. Robert Munro said, you might feel a mild vibration. Mild. Are you
2: kidding me? I thought I was dying. Well, the, <laughs> the vibration you to get good it, at it. it. It it depends. the The vibrations, by the way, um, just as a side note, they can be very rough and electrical at first. But the the more you do it, the the smoother they get. And yeah. I've said this before too: is the very, over the years they've gotten so smooth that I don't even notice them anymore. And Like, uh, I don't know, about a year ago or something, I had an out-of-body in which I felt the vibrations and it startled me. It's like, wow, that hasn't happened in a long time. I haven't really felt the vibrations in a long time because because normally they're not, you know, they're so quiet and in the background. But I mean, they're not, they're only scary at first. Um, There's a a book out there that uh, uh, Nancy Tribolato, or I think is is the name of the author, and talks about the vibrations a lot. And, uh, she compares them as being, she says they're very, um, pleasurable and she says she even compares them to orgasm. And so, uh, it it depends on the, the person, the, the, and their level of experience and all of that. But anyway, no, I mean, to get proficient, I mean, uh, it, it, it was slow. It took me a couple of years before I got any good at it. Um. And even now, I have to work quite hard at it to get an experience. But I mean, I, I think at the when I was uh, at kind of at the top of my game, I was probably having three or four out of body experiences a month. And a lot of times, that's because I would only practice on the weekends, right? I was going to school and I was working and I was trying to work enough, you know, on the, working on the weekends and stuff like that, trying to get enough money to pay tuition for school and all of this. And uh, so I, I, I was only able to practice my out-of-body techniques on the weekends. And so Saturday morning, Sunday morning were kind of my go-to times for doing that. And so, um, so that's kind of why, why I was doing that. But yeah, it took a while, it, it, was, it, it came about slowly. Um, okay, I see, a, I see something flash on the screen from Mike Mike. Yeah, he was just
1: talking about how he had the Jesus experience as well. You know, I oh, want awesome.
2: <laughs> All right, well, very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just mind blowing. It really is. Wow. So, but,
1: uh, um, when this all started for you, how long were you able to stay out, and how long were you able to,
2: like, how how long are your out of body experiences? You know, it it varies greatly. Um, for most people, out-of-body experiences are very short, and um, they range from, you know, one or two seconds, or I think about the longest I've had, longest out-of-body I had was about three and a half hours, I think. Um, and in that time, it's like I, I would go off and do things, and then I would get, like, Call, you know, called back to my physical body, but I'd still be out of the body. But I'd be at its location. So then I'd just separate again and go off in another direction. But I mean that that went on for probably three and a half hours. And of course, after that amount of time, you can't remember everything that's going on, right? And uh, but there are tricks you can do to um, uh, to make them last longer. Uh, for example, if you're um, if you feel like you're losing cohesion, what I call losing cohesion. If you feel like your um, consciousness or your awareness is starting to deteriorate, and you're concerned that you're going to get sucked back to your body, um, what you can do is um, you start touching things, so you engage your sense of touch. And so what you can do is you know put your hands on your own your own wrists, your own arms. Um, your face, whatever. You just try and uh, touch anything that's nearby. I mean, if you see your bed, touch it. If you see a dresser, touch it. I mean, touch the walls, touch the floors, whatever. But engage that sense of touch, and that can help you stabilize your out-of-body experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, your typical out-of-body, I would say, lasts, you know, maybe only five to seven minutes. Um, and after that, it gets to a point where, I, you know, I, I figure, well, I'm not going to remember all of this. I better go back to my body to record it or whatever.
3: Forbidden history, grizzly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a biweekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert, Dr. Heath Havy. Season one relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com.
1: Well, all right. Well, I think this might be a good time to pop up a few questions. Okay. So let me see. Here is one from Fun Talks TV. And he's asking, the biggest fear of visiting this new world of the astral is the possibility of not coming back. Is there any evidence of this being
2: possible? Um, You know, it kind of starts getting into the philosophy and, and spirituality of it because my personal belief, I've been doing this 44 years, right, since 1979. And I've never had a problem. I've always come back. And I've been in situations out of body where I've been in, in the, the depths of outer space where I didn't even see, you know, where, where I just see stars out there. I don't see a sun nearby. Like, we, you know, out in our, you know, if I was close to the earth, you would see the sun in one direction or another. Um, but I've been in, in deep space where there's nothing but a field of stars out there and not knowing where the heck am I and not have any clue where you are, how you're going to get back, but you always get pulled back. But when i say it's related to your spirituality what i mean is i believe our higher selves send us to this earth to learn certain spiritual lessons and i believe that our our higher self has invested a great deal of time and energy to create this physical body and it's not ever going to let go of that very easily um, I talked about earlier how how deep the the subconscious and the levels of awareness go and in each person. And you know, at a certain level, uh, you' you're only seeing a tiny bit of that that uh, awareness, consciousness. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that your higher self, uh, which is further out down in the chain, is going to let go, let, let you get lost. It'll always bring you back because that's why you're here. Um, there's a kind of a famous quote from Richard Bach, the author of, I don't know, several books, Jonathan Livingston Seagull and one and all of this. He wrote many books, but he has a famous quote where he says, um, if, you, if you don't know if, you're, um, if your purpose here on earth, it's done, all you have to do is ask yourself if you're alive because if you're alive, you're not done. You, you still got stuff that you need to do, right? And so I kind of live by that rule is that I believe that we're here for a purpose and um, you're not gonna get lost and you're not gonna be separated from your body unless that it's your intended time to go. And I do believe, and I, I, I know this from, from experience, our lives are very planned. Um, I, hi Dolly, Dolly is back. Um, <laughs> Uh, our lives are very planned, and they're they're not scripted. They're not really. Um, there's no such thing as destiny because we can do whatever we want. But I do know that we spend a great deal of our time during sleep planning what's going to happen in our lives, yeah. and we plan it way out months in advance. And so uh, you you know you're not gonna you're you're meant to go through these experiences and and meant to learn these lessons. And uh anyway, that's my take on the whole deal. I don't think it's possible to leave before your time. No,
1: I you know, I don't think there's any real danger. There was a book out there from Van DeVere. He says Astral Travel is as safe as sleeping. And that really resonated with me because I feel like we're all doing it every night. We I'm are really remembering.
2: We are. Yeah, and, and as a matter of fact. Almost all out of body authors um, say the same thing. They say that we leave our bodies during sleep. It's just that most of the time we're not aware that it's happening. And I've had many instances in which I woke up in the middle of the night and found myself out of body. I'll be, you know, (laughs) lying, like lying prone, but I'll be like a foot above my physical body. And it's like, oh, okay. woke up and that's where I'm at. So I know that this is true. And and other OBE authors like Sylvan Muldoon talked about that and other authors as well. But yeah, we do that every night. You just heard a lot of Sylvan
1: Muldoon. He's a very early author and boy, was he good at it.
2: (laughs) Yes, he was. He was one of those early researchers. And uh, yeah, he, he, wrote his books in the 1920s and uh, went back when very little was known about the out-of-body experience. Yeah, so that brings up another question for me, which is super interesting
1: to me because he talked about Sylvan Muldoon being able to manifest in front of people as an apparition. And I know Robert Monroe did that once. I tried so many times and never succeeded until I did it in front of Dolly and she did see me. And then she wow. did it to me. So, yeah. Oh, that uh, is cool. I was now, wondering, if you anybody, ever tried that? You know, or, I can
0: show yeah. up. You can't. I can actually show up anywhere I want. I try cool. not to, though, because you can scare people back. <laughs> <So, laughs> do
1: so, have yeah, you ever
2: tried that or had that experience? I've tried to do that. Um, one time I, I, uh, uh, we, when I was living in a suburb of Minneapolis uh, called Spring Lake Park, we had a, a split-level home and uh, my, I always go to bed before my wife and um, had to get up next morning to go to work and my wife was staying up watching TV in the basement. So she was on the lower level, I was on the upper level. I uh, left my body and I glided down the stairs effortlessly and turned mm-hmm. the corner, glided down the rest and I saw her you know, in front of the TV, watching TV and I stood right in front of her, it's like, Kathy, Kathy, can you see I'm right here. She never saw me, so yeah, no, I I've tried it and and never been successful. Um, a lot of people
1: <laughs> I feel like a ghost. I mean, you are one, but I, yeah, yeah. I
2: so many times in front of my brothers and sisters, and yeah, nothing. Yeah, I've, I've, I've tried to do that too, and a lot of people. Uh, Ask me, you know, can I can I visit them and and pull them out of their body while they're sleeping and help them get out? And I've tried that many times too and not been successful at it as well. Um, and I talked to William Buhlman, the author um, of several books on out of body, yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, he he said the same thing that he's tried many times to pull people out of their body and it's he's never been successful at it. So I I've had a I few people pull
0: me out. Do have you? Well,
2: spirits—they were already right. on the other
1: side.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can uh, claim somebody to come out of uh, by your will. It has to be by theirs.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah. That's. The yeah. Sometimes thing. I've gone over, uh, gone to somebody's bedside and said, "Come on, let's go out of body." And uh, and they're like, "No, I'm not ready. I'm not going. I'm not ready." Right. But when you're out of body and you talk to somebody who's still in the body. You're talking to their subconscious, so they they won't have a conscious memory of having done that, but you can still talk to them, but they, you know, they'll, you know, and even when they're awake, you can talk to them. I've I've many times visited someone and they're going about their daily business and you try and talk to them and get their attention and they act very distracted. They're walking around doing things and, you know, picking up books and whatever, and they, they will talk to you and you can hear them but you're talking to their subconscious and they don't really know that you're there, so. It's the oddest experience. (laughs) It's really
1: strange when that happened. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. And I called them up and they did not remember. And I'm like, well, gosh, I'm not making, I know I'm not making this up. (laughs) And if Monroe hadn't mentioned that, I would have thought, you know, I'm like, what is going on?
0: It has has to do with, um, it it all goes back to your using your abilities. Uh, Your physical mind has to have a working uh, pineal gland and uh, it has to be on and Mm. hearing properly. That way your physical mind can hear what your consciousness is saying in other people's. That's Mm. how psychic ability works. And um, in my youth, I used to get up in the middle of the night and go to my parents' bedroom and talk to my parents'. And he'd be laying there, and then one night my father sat up and he pointed at the door, and and he said, "Go." Me. And I was like, "He sees me." And I walked back to my room and I stayed in there. I was afraid to come back out. It was my dad, you know. And a couple of days later, he said, "We need to talk." And I said, "Okay." And he said, "You can you can go out of body, can't you?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, "I can now see you. I'm listening for you now. No running around unsupervised." I don't (laughs) know what it freaked me out. And I was really small. And he said, seriously, no running around unsupervised. And I said, okay. And he said, you'll know when it's okay. You have to know all that's knowable before you can go out again. And I I thought about that for a while. Know all that's noble. Are you crazy? How do I do that? He said, you'll figure it out. And I I sort of did as I got older, you know. But yeah, you can't. I I'm at the point now where I can go out of body while I'm talking to you. Okay. I mm-hmm. feel the vibration and I and it, it's like I shift. Okay. And I can feel my body operating because I'm I'm totally connected now. I'm I'm like simulcasting life.
1: Yeah, there were saints who could yeah. do this, and they yeah. actually ended up yeah. bi
2: locating and could physically
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I do that. Yet. <laughs> yeah, and but not I can yeah.
2: saints either. Um uh Yogananda could do that as well. That's insane. I mean yeah. it just goes to show how unlimited. We are
1: like you were talking about the things that we can do are off the charts yeah um, another thing i wanted to ask you bob because i'm curious about this is the silver cord which is of course what pulls what's attached to you and what pulls you back and i never saw it for years and years and years finally i did it's all wrapped around me i got very confused i ended up traveling inside of it and going inside my consciousness and it was a long, weird experience, but another time I did see it, and it was just this big, thick thing filled with multiple cords. So I'm wondering what your experience has been with this. Well, could you explain to people what it is who have never heard of it and what I'll your experience is yeah.
2: with it? Um, yeah, the, the the reference or the name Silver cord comes from the Bible, and I believe the book of Ecclesiastes talks about um, if – it references when you die. It talks about when the silver cord breaks or the the bow is loosed or something like that. Um, But the silver cord is a, I would say about half people um, experience the silver cord and about half people don't. Um, A lot of people look for the silver cord and never find it. And uh, there's really no good explanation why that is. Um, I know in my earlier out of body experiences, I used to have all kinds of problems with my silver cord. I would, I'd, uh, you know, walk away from my body and I'd be, you know, trucking or whatever. And I'd feel this tug on my back. Like I had a big elastic rubber band attached to my back and I'd just get pulled back, you know, back to my physical body by this thing. And I would get angry at the thing. And I even, uh, in my first book, Out-of-Body Experiences, I have an amusing story where I got fed up with it finally. I mean, I was trying and trying to go different places, do different things. I, I had arranged to meet a friend um, and at her house and try and, and describe her house to her because I had never been there, but she wanted, you know, we were trying to establish proof, right? Mm-hmm. So I was going to get to her house and this silver cord kept interfering with me. And so at one point I actually got really mad and I turned around and I grabbed hold of it. And it's like a, a hose, like, right? like, like a garden hose. And I pulled on that cord. <laughs> as <hard> as <laughs> it. It's Like, you know, I, and I thought, you know, I was just furious and I just, I, I yanked on that thing so hard. I thought it, it ought to break. If, it, you know, if it was a real physical thing, it ought to break. Um, but it didn't, it kind of flopped to the floor and then, um, <laughs> And the the experience uh, ended pretty quickly after that, but um, yeah. it's it's like playing tug of war with yourself. Um, Emotion, yeah, a lot of, But but in in more um, in the last many years, I haven't even noticed or seen my silver cord in many many years now. So I think again that might be having to do with uh, I don't know if you want to call it a lot of a lot of people theorize that you know when you're when you first starting out you have lower vibrations or whatever. And when you start having, uh, astral projections or whatever, you, you get more spiritual or it kind of wakens you up to be more spiritual and that increases your vibration level. And, and with the increase in vibration level, you have less encumbering experiences. You have less of the lower astral or whatever experiences, less silver cord problems, less problems with eyesight, all of these things. And it just comes with experience. Yeah, I wish
0: people would write, use the right terminology. You know what it is. It's the volume of your ability. You know, when you're on a, uh, you have a a radio, an old timey radio, and it's got a band of frequencies on it, right? Mm-hmm. And each one of those frequencies vibrates, and it produces a sound. And mm-hmm. when you tune into that frequency, you can hear it. But if it's too low, you have to turn the gain on the power. You have to add energy into it to bring it louder to you. And so people don't understand. It's not raising your vibration It's turning the sound up or turning the power up on it is what's happening. Your heart is where, like I said, where your consciousness resides. It's it's electrical. And your connection, the silver cord, is literally coming from your chest because it's the electrical connection to your consciousness. And when you get emotional when you're outside of your body, it can pull you back because your heart's calling it. Something's wrong and it'll pull you back. In other words, your body is guiding you whether you know it or not that connection to your physical body because you chose to be here is overpowering you to come back. It's an emotional response to whatever you're experiencing out there. And I know a lot of OBE is really, if I get upset or I cry or get mad, boom, they're right back in their body. And it's true. It yanks you back because it's, it's protecting you and bringing you home to the body that you're dwelling in. And uh, most people people
1: call the astral body, the emotional body.
0: Emotional, yes
1: well we do need to take a quick station id break so if you'll hold on for just a second i want to let everyone know that you are watching the Lightgate. i'm preston dennett my lovely co-host is dolly saffron and tonight we are speaking with robert peterson he's the author of many books on astral projection definitely you want to check them out we'll be popping them up on the screen towards the end of the show you can find them in the show notes he also has this amazing website where he's got lots of articles i want to let you know that we are streaming live on united public radio network 107.7 fm in the beautiful city of new orleans also the ufo paranormal radio network at 105.3 fm we are on several other platforms such as youtube and roku and facebook and we are so, so delighted, Robert, to have you on the show tonight. Chat is alive with questions of all kinds, and we will definitely be getting to them. We're now at the second half of the show.
0: Actually, so, we have 15 more minutes tonight because we redid we, we the show. So we can go until 20 after. So like at, at uh, 11.15, if that's okay right. with you, Bob, uh, we can shut it down then.
2: Sure, that's okay. fine. Perfect.
1: I was wondering about that. Thank you, Dolly. We did have some technical difficulties for those who are joining us late. The beginning of the show is a bit rocky, but th- these things happen. So, Bob, here is a little picture you sent me, which is a funny meme. And I think it's a good jump off point to a question that I'm curious about, which is the astral wind. I have never experienced this. <laughs> And I am wondering what the heck that is because people (laughs) describe this in the books where an astral wind comes up and it blows you all over the place. I think Dolly, you've had that.
0: Yes, I have. (laughs) I used to be, I used to fly it. I'm not kidding you. I go out of body and I pick up that wind and food might take off and go with it. I've never had
2: that. Never. Yeah. I've I've had that happen. um, And a lot of people complain about that too. It's like, you're trying to get to a specific destination and it's like this, Wind comes and just picks you up and takes you somewhere else where you're meant to be. I don't know. Yeah, don't fight. Let's um, go. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like you're trying to get somewhere. So yeah, that's one of my. Uh, I, I've made a lot of memes for Facebook. That uh, there's a, there's a a couple of groups that I I um, frequent on Facebook. One of them is uh, astro projection memes, and uh, I try and keep it strictly to to. You know, astral projection memes. And the other one is astral projection dash techniques. And uh, these guys rock. uh, Two years ago, um, this group had 18,000 members on Facebook, and now it has almost 100,000 members. Last, uh, I checked it earlier today, 95,481 members on Facebook. But anyway, they have an amazing team of moderators and uh, shout out to those guys, but you a lot of good information out there. But I like to post my memes out there, and uh, yeah, like like this one about the uh, the astral winds. And yeah, a lot of people have experienced that. Some people don't, um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that uh, a dolly that you've had it never had
0: um, it. First time it grabbed me, um, I went uh, literally left where I lived. I went all the way over to the other side of the planet. And I was on top of a mountain. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know why I was there. I was like standing there for the longest time going, okay, I'm here. What do you want? (laughs) And, you know, what else am I going to do? And I sat down and I just sat there and sat there and sat there. And then finally this voice comes out of nowhere and said, now do that on your own. I'm like, what? I could do this on my own, go anywhere anywhere. I mean, it gave me a big heads up that the planet's not not too small for me to go anywhere on the thing. I'd never done that before. I always stayed around where I lived. And uh, I've had other instances where I've been picked up by that. I don't know if it's the all mind, you know, what people call God, trying to direct me and oh, show me yeah. what I need to know, or I have no clue yet. I'm not, I haven't figured that out yet. Well,
2: that, that brings up, what you said brings up an important point, though, Dolly, is in a, that's one of the major differences between an astral projection and a lucid dream. Um, people ask, well, you know, what's the difference? are they the same thing? In my experience, no, they're not the same thing. Like in a in a lucid dream, your dream has a stream of things that keeps happening. Um, okay. in, a, in an astral projection, you can be bored. Like you said, you you found yourself in this. Uh, on this mountain or whatever, and you sat there and sat there. You can definitely be bored in an out of body if you want to. You know, nothing necessarily happens like it does in a dream. Um, oh yeah, Preston set up uh, just brought up a, a diagram that I like to refer to. Um, this is how I like to look at it. On the on the um, on the lower side, or lower left. These are all um, experiences in which we are out of body. Right. You can be in a dream state where out of body, but you're unconscious, but you're experiencing a subjective thing. You're subjective. You're, you're experiencing a hallucination, basically. Um, in a lucid dream, which is the LD on there, you're conscious and you're aware that you're dreaming. You know that you're dreaming, but you're still subjective. So your uh, world that you're experiencing is all a hallucination. And a lot of times, most of the time, you have complete control. So it's like uh, you can walk up to a doorway and you can say, well, I expect that when I open that doorway, there's going to be a beautiful woman on the other side. And you go and you open the doorway and there's a beautiful woman there. I've and it actually. <laughs> in, in an out of body, which is the upper right quadrant, um, you're conscious, but your world is more objective. It's not a subjective world. Uh, you can walk up to a door and say, you know, I expect there's going to be a beautiful woman on the other side. And. Open the door, and there's not. I mean, a lot of times in an out-of-body, your expectations are not met. In a lucid dream, they most often are. Um, and then in the lower right-hand, um, people always ask, "What is S dream?" And that that stands for shared dream. In the um, some authors, like uh, author Robert Moss, talk about shared dreams. And this is where you're unconscious, so you're dreaming. It's a regular dream, but you're still in that objective uh verifiable world so like two people can dream that they're at the brooklyn bridge and they can see each other oh hey i saw you at the brooklyn bridge uh, uh, in a dream That oh, it's funny i dreamed the same thing and i saw you there and and it's like they're strange okay so it's a it's a shared dream um but anyway it's it's fascinating but those that's kind of how i uh see it but that that's i kind of went off on a tangent there dolly so but no, that's okay. That's cool what
0: you said. I like that. It, I think about those things a lot. I share dreams with Preston sometimes. Okay. I'll we'll be talking well, I'm and my things.
1: dreams. She comes yeah. right into them.
0: Yeah. And it's like, huh, I wonder what the heck this means. And if he's having an issue or something, I'll get drawn to it and I'll go share the dream with them and watch or participate.
1: She's very good at this stuff, Dolly is. She's, yeah. <laughs> more more so than anyone I've Yeah.
0: It's just, and I know I'm dreaming. I know it's a dream. And I'll ask him the next day, okay, so what was it you were dreaming last night? You know, and he'll tell me. And I'm like, and I said, do you realize I was there? And he's like, yes. And he'll tell me parts that I didn't tell him. We're verifying back and forth. And I know it's a dream. And I don't know if we're working stuff out. We got questions. You know, what is that? You know, maybe it's a psychological thing where your consciousness is trying to relay to your physical mind things that want you to understand. I'm not sure. You know,
2: yeah. I kind of have a feeling that could be it. You know, yeah, I, uh, I see Angela popped up a question. I realize I'm dreaming. I jump out of my dreams into astral um, for me. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 right. Usually what happens to me is I'll realize I'm dreaming, but it's like I dispel the illusion of the dream. I mm-hmm. I, I just the illumination the <laughs> of the dream just dissolves into nothingness and I'll find myself, you know, hanging oh, yeah. in the face floating near my body or something like that. And I'll know that I'm no longer dreaming, you know, in a, sheer, in a lucid dream. I mean, it kind of, it slays me in, in Stephen LaBerge's book, Lucid Dreaming. He talked about, he thought that uh, out-of-body experiences were kind of a poor quality uh, lucid dream because in a lucid dream you know you're dreaming and in an out, out of body you don't right <laughs> that so was like <laughs> no my uh, my take is completely the opposite in an that out of too. in a lucid dream you know you're dreaming in yeah. an out of body you know you're not dreaming and you're still conscious and aware and you're still there and it's in your face yeah.
1: well,
0: like um, you said
2: it's even more real sometimes right. than being awake
0: yeah I came to the realization a while back that um we are We're supposed to be able to be out of body anytime we want to, that our consciousness is not solely locked in here. And when we don't know we're doing it and we're sleeping and your consciousness just goes, man, I'm out of here. And it'll leave and go do stuff on its own. And the physical mind's just not aware. Like you said, a subconscious, I call the physical mind, your subconscious. It doesn't get it, you know, and doesn't know what's happening. And I woke up one day and I went, you know, this is weird because if everybody knew that they were aware like this and that, out of body is the normal state of being, they might figure things out faster or accept it more. It won't be frightening to them anymore or whatever. And, but that's what I came to. I realized that we are OBE all the time. Our consciousness is universal. It's coming, it, we're not even in this body here. We're coming from somewhere else into this body. We're, you know, like if there's yeah. a cord to we're us. We're
1: projecting down form. here yeah. from our true home. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a matter of focus. Yeah. Right. So I want to pop up another meme, which is super funny, made me laugh out loud, but it's about repercussion. You know, when you come back too fast and you feel a little bit disoriented, I've had that a few times, and you with this very cute
0: meme. (laughs) I like that. Perfect.
1: So is, yeah. is that's something you've experienced where you just come back too hard or suddenly,
2: is there anything? Yeah, yeah. There? Well, I, I remember, uh, and I talked about this, this is again one of those things from the first book that nobody ever wrote about it until I did. Um, one time I was, uh, I induced the, the vibrations and I lifted up out of my body, but then you know, my body's here and my, my astral self is here and I, I twisted around to be so that my head was above my Physical body's feet, and my feet were, you know, above my head, and so I was completely turned around. And then all of a sudden, I slammed back into my body, and it's like, whoa, this is the, the most disoriented, weird feeling of what happens when you get into your body backwards. And uh, yeah, it kind of blew me away. But it, yeah, that that. Crash landed. Cat is kind of. It, I've had other experiences that were like that. That it can be very disorienting. Have you ever encountered any negative entities? A lot of body. Um, I have encountered a few, but um, I, I told somebody. I think it was just yesterday. Um, I was ch- chatting with people. Um, I've been doing this 44 years, and in all of that time, I've probably only had you know 10 or 12 experiences in which I felt remotely unsafe. Um, I've come across, you know, some menacing looking creatures and, and people, and it's like, when that happens, I'm just like, nope, not going to do this. And I just abort the OBE because I don't want to deal with it. Um, there have also been uh, times when I've, you know, seen, you know, ugly, slimy creatures and they start like spewing, you know, Robert Monroe called them, uh, uh, what did he call them? Uh, anyway, thought thought uh reballs, I think he called them. Yeah. Where you have a, a a ball of telepathy that's kind of thrown at you. But I mean this this creature like threw started throwing pornographic reballs at me. And it's like I had to and I, I just start yell you know, I just yelled at it and said, you know, get away from me, you disgusting filth and all of that. Um but I was telling the person yesterday my golden rule is it's better to be angry than afraid because exactly. if you're afraid of a of an entity, if you see some kind of scary entity or whatever, if you're afraid, you're giving them power.
0: That's right.
2: And power is how they control you. Yeah. The fear is how they control you. And if you're not afraid, people that are in the physical body actually have more um more to be frightened of out there than other non-physical entities. And it's because we have uh, emotional centers that aren't common out there. And so we can, uh, I mean, if you see an unsavory creature, uh, what Robert Bruce calls astral wildlife, I love that term. (laughs) Um, (laughs) if If you see an unsavory creature, it's better to be angry and yell at it, give it, you know, give it the fifth degree, tell it to, you know, go away, yell at it, scream at it, but don't be afraid of it. Right. And, uh, some people say, Oh, you know, love and light and just no, you know, give it a hug, send it. A- Sorry, <laughs> that, that doesn't work for me. I mean, uh-huh. a lower, lower vibration, if you want to say that, but for <laughs> me, um, I, yeah, but, but whatever you do, don't be afraid of it. The, the, right. the, word, the, the, the like i said last resort just end the out of body and it's easy to do that usually by thinking about your physical body just think about you know, your hands or whatever your physical yeah. hands and it'll usually bring you back yeah um, but usually you know I, I mean i've had a one of the experiences and, and in my second book lessons out of the body i talk about all of those well all of the the ones up to that point of where i felt unsafe and it's like probably the scariest one i i uh, left my body and i was I immediately found myself surrounded by what looked like an angry mob. And they looked like they were ready to lynch me. They were holding clubs and things like that. And I just said, nope, not going to do it. And I just <laughs> aborted the experience, went back to my body, no harm, no foul. You know, yeah. so that's about the worst that can happen. Yeah. And I mean, I can understand being concerned because in and out of body, you're dealing with humankind's biggest, uh, biggest fears, right? Fear of the unknown, <laughs> fear of death.
0: Well, humans are yeah. not to be afraid and they take it with them. And, the, yeah. and if we stop teaching each other to be afraid, um, when I was five years old, I had some entity or something tell me it was the devil. I was its child and it kept chasing me around. And I just go home, you know, go back. And it was over and over and over again. It was like dogging me. And I snapped one night and I took apart a staircase I was on. I pulled one of the spools off it and I went after it. And I said, Come here, let's have a nice day with each other. Come here. I'm going to hurt you now. And it looked at me like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? And I said, you're done. You're out. I'm going to get you. And it ran from me and left, and it never came back, never yep. came back again. Yep. And I woke and a of, up it,
2: you know? And, yeah. and that kind of brings up, um, yeah, the, the, uh, another deal I've got. Yeah, the, thanks, Preston, for bringing up this slide. Um, there's a, a thing called ASP, which stands for Awareness During Sleep Paralysis. And a lot of people, when they get – what happens is sleep paralysis is something your body naturally and normally does every night in order to prevent you from hurting yourself while you dream and while you sleep. And so your body paralyzes itself. It's perfectly normal and natural. But if you, sometimes you become aware and awake during that state when your body is still paralyzed and it's a perfect jumping point to leave your body. Um, But what happens is a lot of people experience asp and then they they figure they can't move they find they can't move they're paralyzed and so they become afraid and their fear manifests as a monster or a creature and then that you're you're kind of stuck between the hallucinated world of dreams and the real world and so your fear manifests a monster you see the monster it makes you more afraid and that, that's kind of a never ending cycle right your your fear so of monsters the <laughs> And then, then of course you're afraid. It's like people are deathly afraid of. I'm not. If I go to sleep, I'm going to have this monster again, you know, tormenting me. Mm -hmm. And so they're deathly afraid of uh, of the the monster or demon or whatever. And that leads them back to sleep paralysis, and it's a never-ending cycle. And the thing is, you can actually leverage that to induce OBEs, right? Because If you realize that you're in sleep paralysis, you don't have to be afraid. You know that this is a hallucination. You can confront the monster or creature, whatever, and you can leave leave your body. Uh, I see Mike. Mike do the same thing. I say, "Get the hell away from me!" Yeah, it's it's a good reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: done with you. Okay.
2: But basically, yeah. I mean, you can use that to induce OBEs, right? Because that fear that it's going to happen again causes it to happen again. So you yeah. can kind of use that feedback loop and, and take that advantage of so that. you
0: can see the truth. That's the whole point, you know? I think yeah. that we're taught to be afraid here as a control to keep us from going out of body and learning about things as they really are.
2: Exactly,
1: okay?
0: because
2: what, what happens is there's this thing called, most people don't talk about it, called the um, dweller on the threshold or the, the gatekeeper or whatever. Right. And it's, in my opinion, um, it's a part of your subconscious, and it throws these things, scary things, at you, um, kind of to keep you from going out of body until you're ready for it, right? You have to to learn to confront your fears, and you have to learn to, you know, you have to you have to get beyond that fear barrier. And once okay. you learn to get beyond that fear barrier, and you confront these these creatures or whatever or you know, no, I'm not falling for it this time, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing, then you'll find your freedom. Then you'll be able to go out and you won't have these creatures anymore because, okay, now you've passed. It's almost like you've passed the test. It's like your subconscious or your higher self throws these things at you to make sure you don't go out of body until you're ready to face anything. And once you're ready, then there's no more purpose in having the scary tell You become the
0: master programmer of, of what you're doing. Uh, you know, there's an old saying in computers, and you know this, garbage in and garbage out. Okay? Right. And uh, we're habitual. Our brains, are DNA implied, the way we work is it's habitual. All your habits will replay over and over and over again until you change the habit. You reprogram what's going on in your own physical mind. Right. And so you've been programmed to watch horror movies to hear horrible things, to see horrible things, to talk about horrible things, and you don't realize that you're, programming, you're reprogramming your brain to think that way. Your mm-hmm. brain doesn't always, you don't originally come out of the womb thinking that way. You don't. You're, right. Your right. slate is clean, except for what your consciousness has already put into it, and now you're being bombarded with this. And this is a, a pet peeve of mine. It's like the greatest thing we can give each other is to stop the negativity, thinking, you know, re- stop it, just stop. If we all did that in one day, the whole world would change overnight because we'd be more attached to what's knowable and true, other than hor- horrific and painful, you know. And yeah,
2: I agree completely with you, Dolly. Um, as a matter of fact, I, you know, I I love music, and a lot of people know I like strange music. All right, one of my favorite genres is like. Uh, female-fronted heavy metal music, but Ooh, a, lot okay. of the, a lot of the metal music, um, a lot of heavy metal music is very yeah. negative, and you have to be very careful of how you're programming your mind. Right. Um, that negativity can seep in, and I, I think that like in the 90s, there was a lot of grunge bands coming out of Seattle and stuff, and Soundgarden yeah. and stuff, and a lot of these songs are very negative, and I think they're sending us, you know, negative messages and you can, most people who are fans like like me can look at that consciously and say, okay, you know, I, I know this is not applies to me or whatever, this this doesn't apply to me or whatever, but it seeps into your subconscious nonetheless. It does. And you have to be very careful. You have to, to combat that kind of negativity with- effort. We actually had a,
1: a former guest on the show, Rafael Lugo, who was yes. creating that kind of music and stopped because he had an of body experience. And saw that actually play out firsthand.: Absolutely. So you're 100 percent right, and he illustrated it with a personal experience. It was amazing.: Interesting. interesting. So I've got a 14 questions here that are Uh-oh. all amazing, and I'm hoping we can get through a bunch of these. Uh, and here's a really interesting one from Mike Mike, because you know there's different abilities the astral body has, mm-hmm. and one of them is stretching longer than it normally can.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I mean, you can can teleport, you can can fly, but he's asking, Bob, have you ever experienced the speed you can get to while stretching yourself? I went so fast that I could feel the vibrations throughout my body that I felt like wavelets of energy flowing. So maybe that's what he's talking about.
2: Yeah, and uh, to be honest, Mike, Mike, I haven't ever tried to stretch my body like that, like you're (laughs) describing. So no, that sounds like an interesting experiment. I'm always experimenting out there. So it's, it's something fun. I'll have to try
1: that. Yeah, me too. When I read it in somebody's books, I'm like, well, they visited the lower hellish plains. Let's try that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like someone asked me, what are you wearing when you're out of body? I'm like, I'm like, I never even checked. I looked Not down. Really. I wear a button down shirt, you know, my work clothes. <laughs> I actually took off all my clothes once because I was curious. <laughs> you know, all my hair comes back. I'm super strong. I'm really young. <laughs> um so there's so much to explore all these different experiments you can do yeah
2: Yeah.
0: one of of the things that i like to remember is that our consciousness is light we are light beings okay. and when you come out the stretching that he's trying to do is literally him sending himself out in one long strand of light what's cool about that is that you're traveling uh through uh uh, you're outside of space-time when you do it. We're not in space-time when we're OBE. We're outside of it, and you can go clean across the universe all the way to the other side, and then catch up with yourself and stand there and look at the end of it, and then come back. But you gotta, you gotta understand that's what you're doing. And Mike, Mike, if you're hearing this, that's what you're doing. You're, you're not stretching. You've, you are light, and you're sending your light somewhere else. Think of it that way and see what you do with it. So. All right.
1: Well, I got a bunch more questions I want to get through. Here's one I'm just going to pop up quick. And this is to you, Dolly. Do you plan to write a book possibly with Preston about your OBE experiences? I hope so. I, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about that, Dolly. <laughs> so,
2: yeah.
1: What do you think? Okay. And here is a good question for uh, you, Bob. And this is from Brian Morgan. I like this question because there's a lot of people out there who haven't really experienced this. And his question is, Bob, for first timers, what would you recommend someone read or do who've never had an OBE but want to try? And is there anything you'd say not to do?
2: Um, Well, um, actually, what I always recommend is before you buy any book on out of body or astral projection, Check my blog because on my website, robertpeterson.org, I've got um, an index to my blog, which is articles about astral projection. And I've got uh, a whole bunch of book reviews an index to my book reviews and check it out, which ones are are rated the highest because and read my book reviews. Um, So you can go out there and you can see what's what's good and what's bad. And I usually include, you know, what techniques they share and all of that. Um, The reason I wrote my first book, uh, Out-of-Body Experiences, How to Have Them and What to Expect is so that it would be a good place for people to learn. And as as Preston kind of hinted earlier, um, at the end of every chapter of the book, I've got an exercise section of something that you can do to actually kind of work your way into the out-of-body state. And um, so... That is a, in my opinion, the best place to start. And and I, obviously, I'm biased because I wrote the book, but <laughs> I, I I designed it to to try and give people a good foundation and and you know learn how to do it. Um, my latest one, uh, hacking the out of body experience, is um, it's very sciencey and it goes into best practices. It doesn't really um, tell you what to expect. It doesn't really tell you you what my experiences are or have been, Um, but uh, it it goes into the science of it. Like For example, um, scientists have learned that people who are more easily hypnotized, um, or in other words, score more highly on the telogen absorption scale, if you want to get technical, tend to have more out-of-body experiences than people who don't. and so there are, there are techniques to to be able to like increase these things. People who play video games, for example, tend to have more out-of-body experiences than people who don't play video games. So these are the kind of hints and, and things. But if you go to my website, robertpeterson.org, you know, almost all of that information is out there available. It's free, I don't charge for, for any of that. Um, like Preston said, my, my entire first book is available on my website. Uh, for free. You can read it there. Um, and it's been there since before it was published. And uh, my publisher, Hampton Roads Publishing, uh, I had, have to give them a lot of credit because I asked them, you know, is it okay for me to put this out on my website before it's published and everything? And they said, well, it's your content. You can do whatever you want, right? You own the copyright. Uh, and they, there were a lot of people, I mean, Bill Buhlman said, you're crazy. You're going to lose sales doing that. <laughs> And I'm like, no, because this way my book becomes available to people in Africa who don't, you know, who, they, they got a computer maybe, but they're not going to be able to buy it on Amazon or something or buy it in the United States market or whatever. So I made it available to the whole world that way. And it kind of proves that I'm not in it for the money. So you can go out to my website. There's tons of information out there for free. It's a good place to start. And I've got... um like I said, book reviews for other other books that are out there, and and you can figure out which from there which ones are the uh, the, the best ones. Um, and also, uh, I've got a couple of articles on my blog index too that are like I've got a, a one that I I called "Best of Breed" out of body books, and it's like by best of breed, I mean these are the best technique books that are out there. These are the best books that give you, show you what it's like and give you the best, you know, narratives, out-of-body narratives so you know what it's like. These are the book, the best ones coming from a Wiccan type, you know, perspective, whatever. So I try and break it down into categories. And uh, um, so that's another good place to start is my OBE best of breed uh, books article on the blog. Cool.
1: Well, we've got a bunch of questions, so I'm hoping we can get through with them all, but let's just try anyway. Okay. Um, is asking, what type of meditation do um, um, through this?
2: You know, any kind of meditation helps, but um, for out of body inducing, um, I I I do a very specific type of. It's more like focusing, right? Like Dolly was saying, it's more a matter of focusing than it is a matter of you know actually um, meditating. Um, I when I meditate, I don't. Often have OBEs, and when I do OBEs, it's awfully—you know—it's usually not a meditation. Um, I remember one time many years ago, I went to a meditation class, and I thought, "Oh, this would be fun!" and and I started, and it was a guided meditation. We were lying on the floor, and the person was kind of walking us through this whole deal, trying to get us out of body or whatever. No, there—it was a, a meditation. They're trying to do this and that, and I got bored with it. Nothing was happening, so I like tuned it out. And I started doing my out of body stuff instead. And the vibrations rushed into me and I started to leave my body. And then it's like, (laughs) class is over. It was like the meditation was over. It's like, crap, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I was almost there. I was that close. (laughs) Well, meditation in any form, I think is
1: very helpful. Very
2: helpful. Yes. Meditation is a good practice. I, I, I I try to do that as often as I can. All right. Well, here's another
1: question. You know, and I've often talked about this setting an intention before your out of body experience will help you remain focused and be successful in achieving what you want. And Janice is asking about that. Have you ever tried to intend to go to a particular place or have a particular experience? I know
2: I've done that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, In in the first book, um, Out of Body Experiences, I, I, kind of talk a long time on on the trials and tribulations of trying to get to, some you know, my friend Lisa's house and all of this stuff trying to, you know, where I would try different things to get there. And I mean, some of these out-of-body books, the astral projection books would say, all you got to do is think of a place and you're there. Well, it was never that straightforward for me. Maybe that was for <laughs> yeah. some people, but for Thank me... You didn't work that way so I had to work with it and figure this out and a lot of people you know come to me and say well did you ever resolve those issues you know because I kind of left it hanging I guess in the first book and the answer is yes um, there's what you have to do and it's very hard to describe because it's it's more an action than than something you can describe. It's like you actually think of that person that you're trying to get to or that place that you're trying to get to. And it's like you set a, a hook there and then you pull yourself toward that hook. And it's it's really hard to explain how 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 to do that, but that's kind of what it's like, is you, you know, if you want to get to a particular person, you not only think about that person, but you kind of like set an intention for that person, and then you pull yourself toward it. And it's just, it's really hard to explain. I'm i am sorry I can't explain it better, but that's kind of what you have to do.
1: Yep, I agree. All right, well, here is another excellent question, and I'm very curious about this, because to me, this is one of the best benefits of going out of body, is being able to visit deceased loved ones. And Melanie Russell is asking this, have you ever contacted a loved one that has passed on in the astral planes?
2: Um, the answer is yes. Um, but and I've got a I've got an article on my blog called "Contacting um, Dead Loved Ones" or something like that. Um, I wrote several years ago. Uh, in my first book, I talk about an experience in which I saw my dead father after he had uh, passed, and um, he basically it was it was right at not long after he had passed and. Um, he basically, it was a very short conversation, but he said, no, oh, you guys are, you know, making too much of a fuss. You're, you're, you know, you're making too much of this and all of that. And it was my time to go and things like that. So, yeah, and it's very, um, healing. A lot of people have found a, a healing through doing that. I've also seen my mother after she passed. Um, I don't like to talk about that one that might be in a future book. Um, but then the the flip side of that is the person that you're trying to contact also has to be ready and willing to talk to you. Um, uh, several years ago, my wife's best friend, um, Pam, uh, died unexpectedly. She had two small kids. And I thought this is a shock to everyone. I mean, she just she had a, like a hole in her heart and a defect in her heart and her heart just exploded one day. Um, and. I tried for a full year after she had died. I tried for a full year to contact her. Uh, every out-of-body experience I had, I would try and reach for Pam and pull myself to it, and it didn't work. It was like not nope, disconnected. It's like a phone that's disconnected. You know, the party you've reached is no longer in service, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, the the bottom line is, I don't think Pam was ready to talk to me or anyone. She had, she was done with that, or maybe she felt bad about leaving her two young kids or her husband or whatever i'm sure it's a very emotional traumatic time for the deceased and you know plus they want to move on so that my my rule of thumb is you know they have to be ready and you have to be ready and if you can get those to both happen then yes you can you can visit loved ones in the afterlife all
1: right which i guess is kind of what fun talks is asking but perhaps um with a living person. I know Dolly and I have met out of body. Is this something you've been
2: able to do with anyone, Robert? Um, <clears throat> uh, kind of. Yes. Um, it is possible to meet another person. Uh, I'm not quite sure if he meant meet them like for the first time and then later know that they're there or just to meet them, you know, meet up with somebody in the astral or whatever. Um so, but, but yeah, that's, that's very possible. All right. Well, here is another really
1: good question, because this is something I've certainly experienced. Um, not so much being pulled out of body, but helping others <laughs> who are earthbound. And Star Orchid Orchid 8 is asking, is it possible to be pulled out of body to help confused and disturbed souls? I want
2: to say yes on that, but I'm wondering. Absolutely, yes, it. absolutely, yes. Um, some of the more... Um, dramatic, I'll say, out-of-body experiences I've had in the last several years. Um, And and it's funny, um, I've had several experiences in which I suddenly wake up out-of-body and I'll be surrounded by these light beings. Um, They look like, I, I describe them as like giant lantern filaments because they're like these great big glowing orbs, right? And I'm surrounded by these guys and one of them says, oh, crap, he's awake again, he's, he's awake again. And another one will say, well, put him back under, we're not done, and then I, put, and then I lose consciousness, of course. But I mean, I've had some experiences in which um, I've woken up in these situations where I'm being escorted by these light beings to try and help someone. And I believe, my belief is that these light beings are, are probably the basis for biblical angels.
3: That's and
2: right. And they, my belief is that they go out and they help people that are disturbed or in some kind of a distress, Um, people that are in mental institutions or whatever, and they use people like me, they use people like you and I. Uh, travelers that are out of body and a lot of times your conscious awareness just interferes with that process. But you see people that are in the body have lower vibrations and so we're able to contact these disturbed souls easier. These light beings, their vibrations are so high they can't reach down that far down you know down into those lower depths to, to rescue these people. So they employ the living. I, and I've seen it firsthand. they employ the living to go and, and help them. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you're not conscious of it and they don't want you conscious of it. But I've seen it
0: firsthand. Yeah, I have I have people here call it mediumistic abilities. OK, I don't have to be OBE to see you if you've passed. And I see people easily who are still here with us. They haven't left and they're wandering around. They're confused and they don't know what that's going on or they've got some issue that they're earthbound with. And uh, I will get contacted by them out of nowhere, I have no control over, because they see me, they know that I'm aware, okay, and uh, I actually had one come up, a light being, not out of body, perfectly normal, walking around one day, and this huge light came after me, and I was like, okay, what do you want, and it pointed itself, you know, it redirected itself, and I'm staring at this person, who looked horrible to me, and just could not talk, could not emote, can do anything. They were like in shock. And I realized this person was from long ago. It was like stuck and this being said, do what you got to do. And I literally took myself out of body at that point, wrapped myself around in a big hug and said, listen to me, look at me, see me, you know? And it did, it was a male. And, and I said, you need to come with me. You need to come out of this. You need to wake up you're not where you belong. You know, everything that you've experienced, that's not okay. Give it up. Let it go. Come yeah. with me. Better things are going. And I literally walked him to the other side and he went into shock when he saw it. He was like, oh, wow. And he didn't talk to me the whole time, but he did say, ah, and left. And I was like, Oh my God, and it worked. And I have that happening. I, the first time Preston showed up, uh, obeying you know to me wanted me to see him i'm wide awake it's 3 30 in the morning my time somebody called me wanting me to talk to him you know do medium stuff and then all of a sudden this old lady got right in my face i could see her and she's saying that's my grandson i need to talk to him right now you need to tell him what i'm saying so i'm trying to relay a message to him okay she just died like the day before and they were all freaking out and uh she had a message for his half sister. They're related, you know, like half siblings and um, Preston shows up and I'm going, I can't talk to you right now. I'm <laughs> on with Rob. And he thought I was being robbed and it freaked him out. And but that happens a, a lot more than, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's something that you accept when you get to a certain level, you just go, okay, all right, this is my job. Yeah. And the reason I'm telling you this is that I have a tremendous feeling that you are doing exactly what you wanted to do here. You're like lighting a path for everybody. It's like your research and your teaching the way to go. And I just, I have a feeling that's why you're not doing everything you want to do right now. Like, like you're surrounding yourself with trying to make people understand. And I think that's kind of cool. You know, because that's cool, our yeah. job. It's everybody's job. We're supposed to take care of one another. Yes. thing, you know?
2: Yep. And uh, somebody... I forget if it was William Buhlman or somebody basically said the best thing you can possibly do to um, for for to elevate hu- all of humanity is to do your own psychic development or whatever to do to That's to me. raise your own vibrations. Because when you That's raise your own vibrations, you're raising the whole when you learn um, the whole learns because we're all interconnected, right? So, yeah, I love stories like that, Dolly. Very cool. All right. Well, here we're, pro- we're probably not going to be able
1: to get to all these questions because we've really got five minutes or more to answer them and then five minutes to close the show. So I'm just going to see if I can pop through a few of these. Okay. But, I'll try to be quick. But, but Mike Mike makes a good point, which you made quite clearly in your book, that having good morals and ethics is kind of a re- prerequisite to really succeeding well in this field, in this you know, objective of astral projection,
2: yep, that's very true. yep it uh, I, I found that if you're if you're um, a negative person or whatever, that's the surest way to uh, to prevent yourself from going out of body. Um, I think uh, Albert Taylor um wrote the book Soul Traveller, and one of the the things I loved about that book is he said th- exactly that is that. If you don't have your vibrations high, you're not going to get there. Um, and so that's that's just that. That's the way it is. All right. Here's a question
1: from Fun Talks TV. What's stopping me from going OBE and traversing Area 51 to see the craft? I tried that. <laughs> I actually did it. <laughs> I'm not doing it again.
2: <laughs> Tell us what happened, Preston. I haven't tried it.
1: Well, I made it there and then I got really frightened because I'm like, what if, you know, there's ETs there and, you know, what if I get caught and I went back. But then I made it there, but only with a guide. And it was a terrible, terrible place. I wasn't Mm. happy about it. I wouldn't recommend it. It's my understanding that they have, you know, technologies that can harm you while you're out of body. I don't know if that's true. I'm not, but I've read that. I don't know. It just makes me nervous, the whole idea of it.
2: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, people talk about protected places like they talk about um, psychic or astral uh, bodyguards around the president and the White House and all of these things, the heads of state. I, I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, I've never really tried to get to Area 51 or, or anything like that. Um, I do know occasionally you run into blocks or barriers and I you know, I'm at a loss of why am I being um, prevented from getting here or whatever. But
1: uh, so here's a good question. Can electromagnetic fields affect you while in an OBE? Brian Morgan is asking.
2: um, In in my opinion, no. Um, I've never uh, had a problem with that. I've never had a problem like flying through power lines or anything like that. I did that. That was
1: nerve-wracking the first time.
2: (laughs) can be a little uh, concerning. Uh, Like once I had a a car drive through me, and that was (laughs) very interesting. But uh, yeah, no, I've never had a problem with electromagnetic
1: field. What about as far as using technologies? You know, like HemiSync. I know Robert Monroe. I don't know what PEMF is, but LJ is asking, have you ever looked into technologies like PEMF and how it might help induce OBEs?
2: Um, I don't know PEMF, um, and I've never really wanted to spend the money for technologies like some of these, um, you know, uh, stuff like, like, I've tried Hemisync. I love to, um, some of the meta music that's put out by the Monroe Institute is, I I love to meditate to that stuff, and I do think it helps in out-of-body stuff um but for me like the the gateway tapes and things like that from Monroe i found it very jarring the the hemi sync would put me in the zone and then as soon as someone's voice would come on and say now focus your mind or whatever or go to focus level 10 and like jar me back to the physical body it's like you know gee thanks i was getting there all on my own and <laughs> you know but uh yeah, I have. I mean, there are some sound and light machines available out there. I've not really wanted to spend the money or time on them. Um, and I've re- never really needed to, never really needed them. Um, but I think they may work for some people. I think a lot of times people use these like dreaming masks and things like that to awaken lucidity for lucid dreaming. But a lot of times they're, um, they they like grow out of them. They. Their subconscious counters it, and they find other barriers or whatever. So I think it's kind of a, a short-term thing. Yeah. Um, once in a while, you need a, you know, a, a kick in the butt to to jar you out of your normal path of thinking. We get, you know, like ruts in our way we think, and we got to get out of those ruts. Yeah. But uh, and those those kind of technologies are good for getting us out of the ruts, but they're not a good, they're not a good long-term.
0: One of the things about electromagnetism, I want to bring this up because I'm talking from knowledge now, okay? There are electromagnetic abilities that they have with tech that can affect your body. And it's not stopping you from OBEing, but it can jar your body to the point that you come back. That, in other words, they can block you from going any further than you've gone that day. And it's because your mind is uh, a tool, Okay. And if you can't be in contact with it, with your own brain and your own heart, they can disrupt your heartbeat, they can disrupt your thinking, they can deraze you, literally deraze you, and stop you from obeying. And that's what they use on presidents and royalty and all that, is they're holding them a type of prisoner, to be honest with you, because they're blocking anything and everything from coming at them. They don't want them to be contacted because think of how many people would contact them if they could okay that's what's happening with that and they do have that ability it is in use right now so
1: well well we're gonna have to start to wrap it up we have about five minutes bob but i want to give you a chance to um cover anything we haven't covered or if there's anything particular you want people to know i'm gonna flash your books on here
2: so people know (laughs) um Just, uh, I mean, there's there's nothing in in particular that I want to cover other than that. Um, But I do want to say the the experience may sound frightening, but it's really, it can be the most fun you've ever had, too. I mean, it's just amazing experience and well worth the time and energy to do that. And um, you can't really get the same experience from like remote viewing or things. I mean, there's, there's validation that can only go so far, um, but actually being out there and being away and seeing the reality of it, there's nothing that compares to that. There's a lot of good books out there. It's obviously fascinated me my whole life and I uh, uh, hope to see everybody out there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I totally recommend people try it. Like I've always said, don't believe me, try it yourself. It's Absolutely so worth it. Absolutely. And read Preston's book, Out uh, <laughs> of Body Exploring. Absolutely. It's wonderful. I'm going to put out another one one of these days, too, because, man, oh, man, it's
2: just nonstop. Yep. experiences yep. you can have. And I'm waiting for Dolly's uh, book to show on my doorstep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so busy. Yeah, I kind of encourage uh, Preston. He's got one book he's working on right now, he's got three chapters left to do, and he's putting another book out, and then after that one, he says he's going to do the OBE book, and I'm dying for that to happen, you know, I might have something to say, you know, then, and yeah, and uh, he speaks English better than I do, if I write, it's terrible, people don't understand me, I can speak to you perfectly, but writing is not my thing, so let Preston be my, my, my
2: (laughs) I'm looking forward to it.
1: Okay. Yep. Well, chat is absolutely loving all the things you had to say. And yeah, we'd love to have you back again some of these times because I know I still have all kinds
2: of questions.
0: Yep. Yeah, with. you Let's come back again? again?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, give me a holler. You got my contact okay. information. Yes. You know how to reach me.
0: Okay.
1: All very right. cool. Well, it was so nice to have you on. Thank you Thank so you much.
2: I much. super appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, thank you both for having me on. I really uh, enjoyed it.
0: Thank well, you. I was excited. I'm even more excited mm-hmm. now. Just so you know. Okay, so this was the light gate for this Monday, just before Christmas. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday, and and uh, w- for whatever religion you are, may be blessed, may be happy, may be fruitful for you all. Be safe. Be happy. Be warm. This has been the light gate. Uh, take care, everybody. We love you. Night night.
2: Bye bye.